You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. So you have an interesting past. I started looking at all of your different websites and stuff that you were featured on, and you're like a who's who. I mean, my God, you've got so many different things that I wasn't even familiar with because I just followed you on Instagram and loved the way you mentored other people and were talking about leadership and all that kind of stuff. And then I started doing my research, and when I started looking back at all the things that you're doing, my God, you've accomplished so much. And it started off, I guess, <laughs> you're a military brat like me. I'm, I'm a Navy brat. Of course, you're a Marine brat. Obviously, you've had a lot of influence throughout the years. Yes. Three uh, three generations of Marine Corps. My sister actually just married a Marine, so we have another Marine in the family. <laughs> I'm engaged to a Marine as well, and uh, we were just thinking, oh, gosh, if we have kids and our kids want to be Marines, they'll be fourth-generation Marines. So That's crazy. My dad was Navy. The only advice my dad gave me, he said, just don't join the Marine Corps. That's all I ask. <laughs> That's well, my grandfather. Well, actually, nobody in my family really thought that I would join the Marine Corps because I have a lot of other male cousins. And so my grandfather just naturally thought that the boys would be the ones to join the Marine Corps. And an interesting fact is that my grandfather's name is KT Taylor. And my first name's Taylor, which was my mom's maiden name. And so it's kind of fitting that I got his last name as my first name because I was the only one to continue on the tradition of the, you know, joining the Marine Corps. So nobody thought that I would join because I guess I was, you know, cause I'm a girl, but he always had it out against the Navy. You know, you guys better not join the Navy. It's only <laughs> the Marine Corps and all of that. So it's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting that uh, love hate relationship. Cause I mean, you guys have to work together so closely yet. Right. You absolutely hate one another, uh, or at least you come across that way. Right. I think it is kind of a love hate relationship, you know, I mean, Definitely love all of our brothers and sisters in any branch of service that's serving our country. But I think it's more of just, especially with Marines, they're all just alpha, alpha individuals. And I think a lot of people who join the military in general are very dominant people. But Marine Corps is some of the most dominant personality types you've ever come across. So when they're a department of the Navy. <laughs> I was um, just going to ask you that. How do you feel about when people say, well, you're just underneath the Navy? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are like, well, yeah, we're the men's department. The Marine Corps is the men's department or whatever that joke is. But I personally don't have a, a problem, you know, with, with the Navy or anything. So I think it's just a long time running joke between the branches. So did you start off in ROTC at uh, University of Louisville? I did not. Okay. No. My father worked a lot with the Wounded Warrior Project, and he was – so We I was in Nashville. That's where I was raised, and he would bring out a bunch of wounded veterans for the CMA Festival, and we would take them there, and they would get to go backstage and meet some of the, the country music singers and just have a good time in Nashville, and I got the privilege of witnessing that and seeing all these – amputees and their families and kind of the back end of, of the war and what it was doing to our, our service members that were serving in defense of our country. And I met the first female Marine I'd ever met. And her husband was an above the knee amputee. He was a retired Master Sergeant, Master Sergeant Spanky Gibson. And so I just talked to her, I picked her brain and 
I was like, no way, you're a Marine. Like, I didn't know females could be Marines. You know, I'd grown up around it and had yeah. all this passion for the Marine Corps and physical fitness and everything, but I never knew that I was, you know, had the potential to actually be a Marine. So that's when it really sparked my interest in joining the Marine Corps. And after they left that week, I was 19. I, sa I said, hey, Dad, let's go to lunch. I want to talk to you. And he sat down and he said, you're not pregnant, are you? Like, that's the worst <laughs> thing. And I was like, no. And then, like, the second worst thing could be, you don't want to be a Marine, do you? And I was like, yes, sir, I do. And he thought it would kind of wear off. He thought I was just really super motivated and yeah, from everything I'd just seen. But I followed through with it, you know? No, that's awesome. Because, I mean, when you were going to school, let's face it, you started off in cheerleading. You were, at that time, were you also doing some competition lifting and crossfit and all that kind of stuff and while you were going to school yes when i was 19 i was a sophomore in college i started crossfit and at that time i couldn't even do one pull up i was really strong i could deadlift and bench press and squat a lot of weight but when it came to body weight movements i wasn't very strong there and i was so for cheerleading at louisville we were not technically considered a full-time sport and we did not get full scholarship we got partial scholarship so our hours for practicing were really unique we practiced really late at night like typically starting at 8 30 or 9 o'clock at night and it was off campus so i would go to class in the morning and then train in the afternoons at crossfit and then go to practice at night and i continued doing that from my sophomore year to my senior year and i did small local competitions powerlifting competitions crossfit competitions and went to ocs in between my junior and senior year and then it wasn't until my senior year of college i actually skipped walking at college graduation to go compete at the central east regionals for crossfit and then i was commissioned two days later at churchill downs in louisville kentucky wow that's that's, that's a whirlwind <laughs> yeah so you met your fiance while you went through officer training? We met at the basic school in Quantico. So he was in Bravo Company and I was in Charlie Company. Okay. Yes. So so we were there at the same time. And my rack mate from OCS, her name was Andrea. She was in his company. And she's just a beast Marine. I mean, she can knock out 20 dead hang pull-ups at any given moment. And she set the female record time at officer candidate school for the double o course her name's on the on the board there but anyways her and a bunch of other our friends are like you have to meet this guy he's six five <laughs> he's like an ogre if you guys have kids someday they're gonna be beasts and so i met him and it was pretty much love at first sight everybody at tbs wanted to talk to me about crossfit and it was like the last thing i wanted to talk about sure. i think when you have like an a certain area of your life that you're really competitive in or passionate in, like people just assume that's the only thing you ever want to talk about. So when he started talking to me about West Side Barbell and the conjugate method and the science behind all of that and the fact that he knew even what that was and he wasn't just talking to me about CrossFit, I was really intrigued and I was like, okay, thank you. He's <laughs> tall, handsome, and intellectual and he's pretty funny. So yeah, we, we hit it off from the beginning. Now you volunteered to go to the infantry officer course as part of the female integration training. What happened with that? Because I, I believe now you're a logistics officer, correct? Yes. Yes. And that was really interesting because that was something I contemplated with back and forth between my whole time at the basic school was whether or not I was going to make the decision to go. What ultimately led me to go were two things. One was my platoon commander at the time who was an infantry officer sat me down and he was like, why are you not going? 
you love this. You're in the field carrying machine guns. You know, I, and ultimately he said, I'd be honored to welcome you into the brotherhood of infantry and hearing him say that kind of, uh, solidified my decision. But either way, I think I was really nervous knowing going in that there was a huge risk of failure, but I knew that, you know, pass or fail, it was going to make me a better leader for the Marines that I would lead in the future. All the intangibles that I could take away from it were what I was going in to IOC looking to come out with. And it was actually pretty interesting because my fiance now, he was going through IOC at the time and everything in the course is very confidential. So he got a lot of flack from his instructors saying, you better not tell her about the course, you know? <laughs> and it was just, it was something that's between us. It's just very respected. Like the conversation sure. never came up. I never asked him about anything in the course. He never brought it up because we're both very professional, but he, you know, he did support my decision to go and he, he encouraged me to go and he thought that I could do it. And I thought that I could do it as well. And, um, all the details of the course and the tests and everything are confidential. So I can't really speak to the specifics of the details there, but I, you know, I gave it my best shot. I really thought I was going to be the first female to pass and, and I was unsuccessful in passing and it took me a long time to get over that failure. I think I held a big grudge towards the Marine Corps, towards the fact that I was a female and I thought maybe something was set up against me. The reality of it is anytime in life as humans, when we face a big failure, I think oftentimes we try to blame everything else but ourselves. And it took me a long time to just gain that accountability of the fact that I wasn't prepared enough at the time and that the failure was ultimately my fault. And I'm okay with that now. It just took me some maturing to get to that point. And I definitely think that other females are capable of passing IOC. And that's one of my big driving factors for Valkyrie performance is to help these women physically and mentally long before they even get to the point of being questioned if they want to go to a course like this. Because I spoke with the Commandant of the Marine Corps and the Director of IOC and the Director of TBS afterwards, and they asked, you know, what can we do to make to make women more successful in these areas. And, and I thought about it for a long time, but I think it just starts long, long, long before coming to TBS or coming to IOC and whoever, whatever female passes, starts passing these courses. It's going to be a female that wants nothing more in life than to pass this. Like this is her dream. This is her passion. This is her goal. And she works every single day and every single second to become a master of of this. Yeah. And I, I just, I just don't think it was my, I think at the time I, you know, I thought it was my passion, but I think I almost did it more for the other people around me that wanted me to do it. And I'm glad that I'm really glad I did. I learned a lot. Um, and I really hope to see females to start passing these courses. And I think that they will. I just think that also for females that they need to be told that they can, and they need to hear that it's possible and they need to to realize that it's not an unrealistic goal or dream and they can start working now, working for it every day, and then it will happen. Well, that's what Valkyrie Performance is really all about, right? Instilling both the mental and the physical aspects and applying it to their life. Exactly. I worked a lot with Shane and Laura Phelps Sweat at Cincinnati, out of Cincinnati at CrossFit Conjugate, and they are the powerlifting strength coaches for CrossFit, and they travel the world teaching these seminars, and I worked with them for about a year before I left for TBS, and they really mentored me, taught me a lot about the mental side of training, 
And it definitely made me a stronger Marine and a stronger person. And I think that's what so many people are lacking when it comes to the physical part of training. It's just like they're reinforcing insanity by going in and doing things they don't know the purposes behind, or there's no mindfulness to their training. And I think that when applied, um, you can accelerate your potential vastly in a short amount of time with just a little bit of mental training. On the blog, Choose Courage Over Comfort, you chose a really cool quote by Socrates. I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. And I, I just thought that that was a really cool quote that you chose for this blog. And what you began to talk about within it was really great as well as far as how you're going about growing to understand how you utilize the combination of your natural born abilities and your personality and experiences to help in your mission in life. And I think that's where you found your passion as well. And you found it really at a very young age in determining, okay, this is what I want to be and this is how I can help others through your own struggles that you've gone through. Yeah, I think that we had a discussion about this yesterday, some of the officers from our battalion about leadership and the art of leadership. And some people argue you know, that leadership is both an art and a science because it takes practical application. It takes experiences for you to, you know, you have to study leadership, all these skills, but definitely part of it is a natural born ability and your art and your creativity of how you actually start to shape the individuals that are working with you or for you, your subordinates and the importance of trust in that relationship, you know, building the trust, having them trust you so that what you do and say as a person is consistent across the board. And that's something that I think about a lot when I think about Valkyrie performance and my own personal goals is that I have to lead by example yeah. um, in, in order to have, you know, what comes out of my mouth tied into my actions so that these people take what I say and they start thinking about it and thinking about how it can apply to them. I think oftentimes in the military with higher ranking, you see uh, dysfunctional relationships between higher ranking and lower ranking when there's a time and a place to bark orders or to give a direction and there's not much time to think and talk about it. But I've always told my Marines, my junior Marines, that I am an advocate for critical thinking at all levels, no matter the rank. And I want to empower those junior Marines to start asking me hard questions. When I make a decision, ask me the hard questions, obviously in a, in a way with tact <laughs> and and in the right time and place. But if we don't educate and we don't empower the subordinates underneath us, then it it takes away from their creative ability for them to become leaders and for them to evolve ideas into action. And so you have to be really careful as a leader if you're very, you, it's okay to be very like confident in what you believe and what you stand for, but you have to be open to hear what other people have to say and how other people think because there's, I don't know, you, you have to be, I think it's a, a thin line. So, you know, I can't tell people like women should be in the infantry and this is what I believe and we are capable of this. You know, I just, I just live my life the way that I want to live my life and boldly. And I like to become stronger and develop myself in leadership and other, other aspects of my life. And then I just encourage other women to do the same. And through doing that, I think you gain the respect of your peers and males and so on, but you don't have to be this is what this is the way it is this is yeah. way it you have is. to be a feminist about it you know and that's like one thing that I always preach on here is that like just what you were saying with you uphold the standard of what you want your marines to have and I think that's really important especially with how accomplished you are and how humble you are because that's they they're going to want to feed off of your energy and I, especially young female marines 
to go out and do I mean when they lifted the ban it was like all of a sudden everyone's like women got to do this they got to do this they got to do this you know and then like you just said you took a year to prepare for something that you took very seriously that you knew that would make you a better leader and like you said mentally you may not have prepared yourself for the possibility of failure because you are that type that does not fail and I think I had my my mic muted uh Robert gave me the perfect opportunity to to pipe in and I was talking I'm like oh my gosh they can't hear me but anyway um (laughs) one thing I wanted to ask especially on the marine side my, my husband's a ranger and we always talk about like the marines they definitely are are thinking about this or going about this of integrating women into combat arms a more proficient way than the army because <laughs> the army they just they secretly did it and that's what they did with my program when I was a part of the cultural support teams but I guess once the ban was lifted and you decided that you wanted to do this you came back like you had said before that you had a Did you say it was your commander that was extremely supportive of you going and wanting to do this? Yes, my platoon commander. So, I mean, I think that, one, is extremely important. But how, I guess when you were going through the course, how were you perceived? Because media is terrible. I wrote all all the articles about you guys going through it. And, of course, they like to give us all a bunch of shit. But how were your peers that were also going through the course, how did they take you guys being out there? Yeah, that's a great question. One thing I do want to point out really quickly um, before I answer that question is the fact that when I went through IOC at that time, it was not an option for me to obtain the MOS of of infantry officer if I had passed the course. It was simply for um, integration studies at that time. So the change that's happened in the few short years since that time, now if a woman passes these combat MOSs, they are capable of uh, obtaining that MOS. We just haven't seen a female Marine obtain the infantry officer MOS, but we've seen, we have our first artillery officers that are females and so on. So that change has, has happened. But pertaining to my peers, I would say that I had a vast amount of support from my peers where I felt the resistance was from the staff, the senior staff that was working at IOC. And I believe that that in a way was two things. One was protection of the the community, the infantry community. And two, it was just the mindset that they had been bred over time through their, their older subordinates who grew up in a generation where that was all that they knew. But the peers that were my age were very, very supportive. It was a very close-knit team. I mean, when I was in Matt Platoon, we were doing 15-mile hike once a week. We were swimming doing Marine Corps martial arts every day, tactical decision games, land navigation, all kinds of physical and mental training. And we were doing this in a team and these guys were teaching me and I was teaching them. We were working out together off hours and reading tons of books together. And the relationships there were lifelong relationships. And when I see those guys to this day, you know, it's an experience that we shared together. And some of those guys even passed or, or I'm sorry, failed that we thought for sure, you know, hey, this guy was like top five of the TBS class, he's going to pass, and he and he failed um, for whatever reason. Some of them went back and recompleted it and obtained the MOS, and some did not. But I would say that the support that I got from my peers was definitely a positive experience for me. And But I can't really say that for other females that were there. There was, um, there was four of us total when I went through – but, and I can answer for them. I don't know how their experience was with their peers. 
And I think that it would be different on an individual basis for every female. And you know what's interesting about that is that, especially with the women that just completed ranger school and the first woman to actually complete RASP 2, which is the selection process to go for, I believe it's E5 and above and officer to be a part of regiment. But from what I gathered from them and their interviews is that the exact same thing that you said, you know, it's your peers are supportive. It's a team thing. You learn things from one another and they get a lot of heartache from the cadre. And it's, and it kind of, I mean, trying to get like, not political, but it makes you wonder what was said, you know, especially when it comes to this whole leftist side of wanting to integrate women. But like you had pointed out, it seems, well, just with your personality now, I feel like the women that I served with as cultural support team members, we went through our own selection. But one of the biggest things that was vital to being accepted into this very male dominant arena was personality. And I really think that a lot of women, and I I say this all the time, um, especially when I get into conversation with Ranger buddies and my husband is that you can be the most fit, you can be tactically savvy, but if you do not fit in with the correct personality, regardless of, you don't have to be one of the boys, but just kind of acceptance of their culture as they are of of ours, because we are different, it's going to completely destroy the team dynamic. And I think one of the biggest issues, especially with how the media and like recruiting are trying to push this, you know, females need to do this, we need to find more females, is that they're pushing the, not the feminist aspect of equality, but I am better because I am a female. And I think that's, they're trying to sell it that way where you, we are getting a lot of women that are like, oh yeah, I can go and do this. But you know, they're, they're being recruited by all the wrong points. And I think like having you, especially on the show and, you know, doing what you're doing and mentoring young females, it's so important to, to sit them down and be like, Hey, you know, you're, you are going to be a trailblazer and this is going to be a tough road ahead because we are, we are creating this generation. What you've done is amazing, especially coming on the show now and like talking about it and being extremely humble and honest about being upset about failing because we're type A women do not like to fail, especially being like, Hey, yeah, like I'm the first, I get to go out here and do this. You know, I was accepted by my peers. And then when you actually do come up to failure, it's like, damn it, you know, but we, we all feel we feel just like our male peers, but I think it, just to kind of wrap this little tidbit up, it's like, I think it's really important to not, I mean, us as, I feel like we're responsible as having gone through these experiences to educate the people that are going to be following in our footsteps that this is not what feminism is now. This is about equality and going into it with the right mindset. All really good points. I agree. I think even for males, if they don't have the right personality, I mean, you can get through assessment and selection to become a CSO in, in MARSOC. And at the end, the instructors can say, hey, you did a great job. You hit all the wickets, but your personality just doesn't fit and it's not going to work out for you and, and you don't pass. So regardless of gender, personality is a huge, you know, a huge thing that they look at when they're trying to put these teams together. So definitely for the females, it's the same thing. It's funny because I, I was just getting ready to talk about what do you feel is the biggest roadblocks inhibiting people from finding their passion or by fulfilling that. And I had noticed in your blog that you had talked about really not conforming to the patterns of this world and 
if you set a goal or you set a mission or a vision, then go out and achieve it and don't let any roadblocks get in your way, whatever they may be. And that's kind of that do or die mission, you know, type of mindset. But what have you found in counseling a lot of the people that you have and or in discussing some of their roadblocks? What have you found to be the biggest thing? Is it more mental? That's a great question. And yes, Romans 12 is one of my favorite Bible verses that just talks about not conforming to this world, but being renewed from your heart, from the inside out, um, so that you can have see all things pleasing to God. And that's a great question. I when speaking to females across the board, I'd say the biggest roadblock for them is their mental toughness and their personal confidence. They instantly already have this preconceived notion that they're not good enough to do whatever the job is when really I've met a lot of females who are extremely talented, extremely physically fit, have amazing personalities, amazing just people in general. And it's this self-created limitation that they put upon themselves for whatever reasons, whatever, however they were raised, maybe by their parents or whatever society has taught them throughout. I think women are much harder on ourselves because we feel like we have to be perfect in so many different facets. And this is what society wants me to do and be and look like. And it's really hard to get in touch with yourself and figure out what you really want in life. And sometimes when you figure out what you want in life, you think it's unattainable because of what society says. And I think that's a major problem with women is they just lack the confidence and mental toughness to say, okay, well, this person said this to me or did this to me. And now I'm kind of discouraged. And I recommend to them, like, feel, feel that, you know, don't push it to the side, but whatever they said to you, feel it, process it, digest it. And one way or another, let it make you better, throw it away, keep it, but continue to move forward with whatever your goal is. Just to add to that, because I think having you as a link, especially for young female Marines, is so important because our community is so small. And it's so hard, like, when we are thrown into very male-dominant workspace, it's like, who can I who can I actually go to that I can trust, that can actually mentor me and get me out of this rut? And unfortunately, we don't have an outlet like many male our male partners do. I mean, I remember when, um, my partner Ashley died and it was just so like, it was me and another CST and we were the only females among on this Ranger fob at, or compound. And, you know, I was just like trying to digest this and it's like, I don't, my partner was dealing with it one way. I was dealing with it another. I remember I had a Ranger come up to me and this, and he's like, cat, if you're going to mourn, you need to go mourn in your room. And it was like, man, like that is just, it's really, that kind of epitomizes not only implementing women into combat arms, like there are women that are capable of doing this, but also, like you said, the mental toughness and confidence to go into these positions because we may not have the same outlet that our our peers do, our male peers have. So you being able to go in there and influence these women to kind of train their minds like, hey, this may happen and I may not have anybody, but I do have a small community that I can reach out with, luckily on social media. But that's one thing that I always say too, is like women are our worst enemies. We have to be there for each other and stop bringing each other down. Totally. I totally agree with that. I think that it's nice for women to have the option. You know, some women, sometimes I want to go to a male as a mentor, but in the you know, rare occasion that I find a female that I really look up to 
and I can go to her, then I can go to her for different reasons and different things. So it's nice just to have the option, but definitely women are way harder on each other. We try to bring each other down. This jealousy, competitiveness kind of mindset thing is definitely common among the younger women Marines. So to see um, more mature women Marines or any branch uh, demonstrating that, I think it also is capable of spreading like wildfire. And I think that women also you know, realizing that we have this emotional intelligence and this intuition and this relationship building and collaboration and bonding, all of these things that are different that males have and learning how to use them in a positive way, that's big too. Like knowing that, hey, I am different. There's going to be times where I can't cry in front of other people. Like that's a big thing I've told women before, like never show your emotions in front of your Marines. If you're angry, if you're sad, it doesn't matter. You don't show your emotions in front of them, <laughs> but realizing that we have these different tools and when to actually apply these different tools, that is, that's a, that's a great thing, I think. You know, as a male, I've had both females and males as strong mentors in my lifetime, and each of them contributed in different ways, but I'll be honest with you, I never once looked at either of them necessarily as a woman is going to contribute in this way to me or provide this type of mentoring. A male is going to provide this type of mentoring. It was just the mere fact of what they brought to the table and their background and Mm -hmm. experience that really helped become a mentor. Have you found that it's the same for you as a female, especially in a male-driven environment, or are you finding it difficult to navigate through the male to find a mentor that could really relate or provide the guidance that you're looking for? I feel like I'm, I've only been at one duty station. So I've been around a lot of the same officers throughout my career, but I'm definitely more drawn to individuals that are more like me. So really physically fit, really into outside volunteer work, all these kinds of things. So the, the above the standard officer who just goes above and beyond, I'm drawn to that type of person, whether it's a male or a female. Typically, I think just because of the population that I'm around, it's ten, it tends to be more male. I've had one female that I really looked up to. She was an instructor at the Naval Academy and then came out to MARSOC, where we are now, and she was a company commander, and she did a deployment, and she was a Christian, and she was physically fit, and she was just a good person. And she was super nice and really competent, and I looked up to her a lot. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, I've also had female officers pull me in and black blast me because I'm too aggressive or I'm too this and I don't know where that came out of so I've had positive and negative experiences with female and male but I tend to 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 have a very select few individuals that I call mentors so like one or two at my unit I think we all do people always uh, say well we're going to start a mentorship program within our organization and I've never found that to be effective because if you start aligning people to who you believe could be a good possible mentor, it may not click. You've got to find your own individual that fits the the type of lifestyle, background, experiences, and things that are going to benefit you. This person could really give you the advice and share from their own experiences and ways that connect. I mean, if it doesn't connect, it's not going to work. Yeah, I I agree 100%. I'm I'm not an advocate for the mentorship programs or the peer-to-peer things and these organization, like within the organization of creating that program, it's completely goes against what we're supposed to be doing as military members. I mean, part of your job is to look out for your, your men or your women and 
get to know them and care about their welfare 24 seven. And if you're not doing that, then you're failing. It doesn't matter how good you are at your MOS. If you're not caring for the people that you're working with and helping them, then you're failing. So I, I'm totally on the same page. I do not like these programs that we design. It's kind of like a force fed mentorship issue. It's like, we need to reprioritize if that's happening within our, our units. Um, and we need to spend more time on people and working with people if that's the case. Like I have been preaching that for so long. It's like we, especially, you know, in the position you are in still being in the military and still influencing these women, it's like, that's the number one thing is that we need to get to know and be the example for the people that we are going to go to war with. It's not like we're going, (laughs) we're going shopping together. I mean, ultimately you are going to be next to this person in a life or death situation. And I think people kind of lose sight of that, you know, going back to implementing women into these strenuous jobs. And when you were saying that you went, you had great women that were, um, that people that you looked up to. And then you have some women that are like, okay, you need to tone it down a bit. I've had the same thing. I had one woman come to me and she's like, you are a little too type A for it, for this right now. And I was surrounded by, you know, 60 Rangers. I'm like, how can you stay on too type A for this job? You know what I mean? And it's like, and those are the people you have to surround yourself and you kind of just brush it off and drive on because ultimately you know that what you're doing is going to be for mission success. And the, and the same thing, like with those those silly programs, it's like, you know, they're, they're implementing those just to check the box and it pisses people off, especially the guys and gals that are in the service. And, you know, I think we, we have to, like we were talking yesterday with Nick Yates, who's a pilot. And one of the things he was talking about, especially as a leader is self-awareness. And I think that's so important that we as leaders need to be self-aware and looking to the signs and possibilities of potential and in our soldiers or, or young Marines on pushing them so that they can be more successful. And when you were talking about the young female Marines that are coming in, kind of pumping their chest, acting, not how, how we wish that, you know, young female soldiers or young female Marines would act. That's one of the things too, is that when you're putting them into the, these positions for success, I think that's one of the things too, when we went through the CST selection was we were handpicked because of our potential personality, maturity, uh, as well as f- physical fitness. And I think that's really important. It's just we need to, you know, that's our job, not only to go out and fight wars and do all these things, but it's to take care of one another and push each other to be successful. People are going to listen to this, especially female, either that are getting ready to enter the military or those that are already in the military or even some of those that may have already gotten out as veterans that might be interested in connecting in some way with your organization and helping out, assisting, becoming a mentor themselves or connecting in terms of trying to receive the types of training or mentoring on leadership and such that you offer. How might they be able to connect on that? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for asking that. There's multiple ways to get in contact with me. My website is valkyrieperformance.com. The Instagram page is valkyrie underscore performance. Anybody can send a DM directly through my website or Instagram page. My personal email is listed on my Instagram account as well, which is taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, D-R-E-S-C-H, three, Taylor Dresch three. So I'm pretty active on Instagram, social media, my website, valkyrieperformance.com. I check those emails and messages regularly. 
anybody who, if you just have questions about training or looking for mentorship, or if you're in the local California, Southern California area and want to come out and train with me, I love having training partners come out as well. So that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. See the videos all the time of you guys training and the food that you're eating and all that kind of good stuff. So you cover the full <laughs> gamut. So really appreciate you coming on, Taylor. I can definitely see us having future conversations, especially around mentoring and leadership and the stuff that you're providing. Hopefully you'll consider joining us and coming back in the future. Especially Absolutely. with the implementation of... Uh, you know, women in combat arms, with you still being in the grind and, and mentoring women, I think your viewpoint is so important and vital for women that are considering doing these things. So definitely keep in touch. And I, I look forward to talking to you again also. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on the show. I follow Mentors for Mill on Instagram and I love seeing everything that you guys are promoting and putting out there. And I think just for everybody listening, that's a girl. I think it's a great time to be a girl. As Kat mentioned earlier, we are molding this generation and making it and paving the path. So I don't think there's really ever been a more exciting time for women um, than right now. So uh, it's been my pleasure ch chatting with you guys. And I love listening to all your stuff. And hopefully we'll work together more in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at mentors the number four mil and please subscribe to our podcast it's free and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show we have several options depending upon your device and we're at itunes soundcloud at stitcher and at TuneIn radio check out our apparel line over at mentorsformilitary.com backslash shop many of those you can wear while you're in your uniform the proceeds of which go towards helping us produce this podcast it doesn't matter whether you are searching for your passion or purpose, finding your way through a military or civilian career, working on your fitness, or just about to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Get after it.